This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings, and thank you for joining us on The Voice of the Shepherd. In for His Excellency, Archbishop Alexander Sample, Bishop Peter Smith joins us in studio. Bishop Smith, it's great to have you joining us here on The Voice of the Shepherd. It's great to be with you, Dina Marie, and to with all of you who are joining us on Mater Dei Radio, welcome. Today, I thought it'd be fun to just hear a little bit Here's a big question. What is God doing? And people might look at the headlines. People might look around their own communities or just the world and wonder, what is God doing? Uh, how is redemption? Is God redeeming us in, in a what looks like maybe a fallen wor- world? And what are some of the different times that we have seen where God is working in and through us? So as we look at some of this, maybe let's just approach that first question. What is God doing? How do we know? that God is working in our lives? That's a great question, particularly when we look at the news media today and see the news where, when the expression is, if it bleeds, it leads, you know, <laughs> right? all we get is bad news. But there's a lot of wonderful things yes. going on in the world, and God is at work in the midst of all this, even though it may not be the lead on the evening news or whatever news channel is out there. So. I'll start off with about the 100,000-foot view, not the 30,000-foot view. Mm -hmm. So what is God doing in the midst of of creation? Uh, Creation is God's, and he wants it back. And in a sense, he entrusted creation to humanity, Mm -hmm. and our first ancestors blew it. Mm -hmm. God gave us freedom, which he still uh, respects today. He gives us that freedom because God wants us to follow him out of love, friendship, and affection, not because we're mindless zombies or robots. So from the beginning, humanity was given this freedom. Unfortunately, because of their choice to live other than the way God uh, called them to, sin and evil entered this world and entered human life. And so now God is in a project to redeem, to rescue all of this. Mm-hmm. So. After that, this is, this is what we see going on. And initially, very early on, God decided to hit the erase delete button yeah. and start with the flood and then, then yeah. restart with Noah. Well, the fundamental problem in humanity was that we still used our mm-hmm. freedom to choose to live other than God, in other words, for sin and evil. And you see this in, in the, the, uh, the Old Testament, the people of Israel. God even brought his people out of Egypt. He took a people that he made his own, and because they were, they were constantly turning away from him. So in the end, the Lord says, there's only one way to solve this problem. I've got to do it for them. Mm-hmm. And so that's when the Trinity, out of love for us, 
decided that the second person of the Trinity, the Word, should become flesh and live among us and live our life. And, the, and, and in the end, give his life to overcome the power of sin and death so that we could be reconciled with God. Because the reality was humanity, no matter how good they were, how good we could be, we could not bridge that gap between ourselves and God. And so God decides to do that for us. And you see the first inklings of that, at least that we get in the scriptures. We, we don't know the mind of God unless God chooses to reveal that to us. But with the covenant with Abraham, when you have this elaborate covenant ceremony and the, each party passes through the, the animals and the sacrifices that are cut in half, and the, the, the intention of that is to say, may this happen to us if we violate this covenant. Now, what we hear from the scriptures is that God passed through that himself, but Abraham fell into a deep trance, and as far as we can tell, did not. In other words, God decided to redeem not only his side of the covenant, but humanity's as well. That shows the incredible love God has for us, and that begins to show forth with Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ, in his passion, death, and resurrection, breaks the hold, the spiritual hold of sin and death on our lives, and opens for us reconciliation with the Trinity, and through Pentecost, the life of the Holy Spirit within us. So why is God doing that? God wants to renew all of creation. So it's like the massive renovation project. Mm -hmm. uh, for those of us who, who are familiar with the Portland area, when I first came, there were the brewery blocks in downtown Portland, which were abandoned buildings effectively. Yeah. They had, had uh, all kinds of ne'er-do-wells living in them. Drug deals were going on. It was not a nice place to be, about five blocks. And then some years ago, People came in and they gutted all the buildings. They fixed up the exterior. Uh, so the buildings look pretty much the same, although they look much nicer. Mm -hmm. But the interiors have been completely redone. And so these buildings now are apartments, office space, shops, gyms, all this kind of thing. And it's full of life. Mm -hmm. That's a great uh, analogy for what God is doing in creation. He is renewing creation within the shell of his old because he said never again would he do what he did with Noah. Mm -hmm. So God is renewing all creation within the shell of the old. And how is he doing that? Well, he could have just given an edict, let it be done, and it would be done. But then we get back to the position God doesn't want us following him as mindless zombies or robots. So God decides to renew creation like he tried with the people of Israel by forming a people that are his own in whose lives he lives individually and together as a community of faith, a renewed humanity full of the life of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit who together become his light in this world, who are now his witnesses living as he calls us to, serving as he served, and continuing his mission in this world. That's how God is renewing creation. Okay. Yes, he does break into it at different points and exercise his power, but that's usually related to individuals who are faithful to the Lord being his witnesses in those situations. And 
you know, we, we look for the, the macro th- level thing where this grand massive change. But what God is doing is he's working one person or a few people, one situation, one circumstance at a time. That's where the real revolution is happening, the revolution of the renewing of creation. And that will continue until the end of time when and at the end of time what will happen is the natural and the supernatural become one. That's the new heavens and the new earth that John talks about in Revelation. So it's like natural and supernatural now begin to mingle more and more and more as God is revealed in his creation to the point where everything becomes one. That's the parousia, the fulfillment of it all. And that's what God is about in the middle of all this, and we're part of it. And this is something that's been going on um, for a very long time. Mm -hmm. For us as humans, uh, it becomes a bit of a challenge because we are limited by chronological time. We're born, we live, we die. But for God, it's Kairos time. Everything is now. Yeah. So, you know, for us, what may be a long time, that's nothing in God's sight. That's where you get that little analogy coming out of scriptures. Right. You know, a, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day uh, for the Lord. That's their, their way of trying to explain that, at least the sense that they had of it at that time. But that's what God is doing in creation, mm-hmm. and we're part of that because God is. God is renewing humanity because we are the essential means by which he's doing this. A renewed humanity that are filled with the life of Christ, full of the power of the Holy Spirit and are his witnesses and co-workers in the midst of this. Right. So in the early early time of Christ, I think about all the writings of St. Paul. We've got a lot of him in the New Testament, but he speaks a lot about Life in the spirit, life in the flesh. We were in the flesh, but now when we live in the spirit, this is where we have eternal life. And so as we look at, well, what's God doing? Okay, what are we doing? How are we responding to our relationships? How are we responding to having dominion over creation? If God's given us that ordered relationship, how does the spirit help us? Because the temptation is to live in the flesh, to live now, to live with everything I can do with my own strength rather than living in the spirit. But that seems to be the way that we're going to cooperate with God's plan. Yeah, it's a relationship. So you have to have that relationship with God to start with. If this is just simply you're following rules and so on, it's over. The only question is when. Mm -hmm. And even if you white-knuckle it for as long as you can— there's not going to be a whole lot of charity in that, uh, which is not what the Lord wants. Uh, and in one sense, being faithful by white-knuckling it, okay, that's a start. But God wants us, as I said, to follow him out of love, friendship, and affection. So you begin that relationship, that journey with the Lord. And like any relationship from a human perspective, you grow in that relationship as you spend time together and walk together and continue that. You see that in married couples. You know, it's not, every now and again when I'm doing annulments, I get, comment, get I see comments like, well, he or she changed. And part of me says, that's good, hopefully for the better because we all change as we grow in life. I mean, how many people looking back, you know, after 25, 30, 40 years of marriage say, I'm still the same as I was when we, the two of us got married? 
I mean, any of us in a long-term relationship. I mean, th- th- when I look back at my, my years as a teenager in my early 20s, there are a lot of things I really cringe about. You know, people say, I'd love to be a teenager again. I wouldn't <laughs> unless I could take back all the knowledge, experience, and self-confidence I have now back into mm-hmm. that time. You know, so it's, uh, it's one of those things where you sort of grow in this relationship with the Lord, and you have to walk with the Lord. And like any relationship, you have to spend time. I remember at St. Rose at a school mass, I was talking about this, and I said, so how do you grow in, in, in friendship with God? Um, the fifth grade boy put his hand up and says, you hang out together. That's yeah. exactly it. You hang out together. And you do that in prayer. You do that by and other things, so reading scriptures, praying, doing all these other devotional things. But that's just similar to any relationship. You know, if, if you and your husband don't do the same thing all the time, you go out to restaurants, you have dinner together, you go on vacation, you do all these things. All those things build that relationship and getting to know one another more and more and more deeply. And the same, that's the relationship God invites us into because, that's, because we're humans and that's how we function. God doesn't speak to us in ways we can't understand or make sense of. He speaks to us in ways that we can. So you have to start there with that relationship. And as we grow in that relationship, so God works with us and in us and through us differently in our lives. So that's why sustaining that relationship is so important. What we do flows out of who we are and our being. So doing follows being. Mm When we look at God's unfolding work of redemption, what role do the saints, we see saints from every different era, from the very beginning of the Christians uh, with our martyrs, you talked about earlier, the martyrs, to even today with somebody like a Saint Mother Teresa. What do the saints, how do they reveal what God's doing in our lives? In a whole lot of different ways, and it depends on the saint. Some of them have been given wonderful insight by God, and they bring that forth for us. Teresa of Avila's writings on prayer. Mm -hmm. They're a little difficult to read, but nobody comes close in any way in Christendom uh, for the depth and the breadth and the understanding of prayer that she brings forward. So you, you see things like that. Other people become witnesses and examples of standing firm in difficult times, martyrs. Mm-hmm. Or people like in the church, in times in the church, when there's a crisis, Catherine of Siena, who stands up. They become witnesses, they become examples to us in different ways. Others and how they serve. So, for example, you have Mother Teresa going out to the very poor. And plenty of other saints that, that were canonized because of their works in this whole area of works of mercy and justice. Other saints because of their apostolate, missionaries. Missionaries who would go to different places. Sometimes there are accounts of missionaries who would have their, their belongings shipped in a casket because they knew that they were going there and they would die. And this is the, that would ship their body home. Just recently, the last U.S. bishops meeting in uh, Orlando, we voted on to, to recommend opening the cause of the five Shre- so-called Shreveport martyrs. I say so-called because they weren't martyrs in the sense of that they, they were killed because they or died because they were Catholics. These were five priests who systematically chose, one after another, to go into Shreveport during the yellow fever epidemic, mm. knowing that they were going to die because they would get it and they would die. 
But they went in, one after another, after the one died, the next one came, to minister the people who were dying. And one of them, I think it was the third of the five, there's, a, there's an account of him getting on the stagecoach and telling his parochial vicar, write to the bishop and tell him, I go to my death, but I am doing my Christian duty. And he goes into Shreveport, ministers to the people dying of yellow fever, and dies. You know, so there you see somebody witnessing with his life of faith and to serving those in need. So you have all these different areas where these saints serve as witnesses to us. And in some cases, when they write their story, we can identify with their struggle. You know, people think, well, the person's a saint, therefore they've got it all down. They don't. Cardinal Sunan's had a wonderful definition of, of a saint, which I just loved. It is, a saint is somebody who lives an ordinary Christian life in an extraordinary way. So we do that within our state in life, our place in life, however the Lord has called us, that we live our ordinary Christian lives as Catholics, but in an extraordinary way. That people can see there's something different about the way we live, and that living witness will speak to them louder than any words that we can say. Of course, the moment they ask, then that's the moment when you can witness to them and just say, well, it's the Lord. God has been so good to me. And you can share what God has done in your life and see how they respond. That's right. That's right. We talk about the saints, Bishop Smith, but what about Our Lady and the Blessed Mother? And even at the time of Jesus's death, his resurrection, Our Lady was there. We call her Mary, Mother of the Church. So she helped birth the church with the descent of the Holy Spirit. What's her role in helping to reveal that ongoing work of redemption? The church's approach to the Blessed Mother is because she is unique in the unfolding of our salvation. Mary, without full understanding, said yes to the message of the angel. And so because of that, the second person, the Trinity, came through her into our world in, in the human flesh. And so the church, in a very particular way, honors her because of her unique role in that, that process. Forgotten in that, it's just to a fair amount, is St. Joseph and his role. The angel appeared to him, and he was part of that journey. But in a very particular way, Mary is honored. So when you look at why we, the different names we give Mary and the particular celebrations in the church honoring Mary, Mary, Mother of God, uh, the Annunciation, the Assumption, uh, these things that we look at with Mary it's because of her unique role in all of this. And the church from the very beginning has always honored that. As he was dying, what does Jesus say to John? You know, son, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. You know, so from the very beginning, she has always been honored in all of this. And is the intercessor of intercessors mm -hmm. uh, in heaven uh, with the Lord. And so for that perspective, we can always turn to the Blessed Mother and ask her to intercede for us. Right. We've got a couple more minutes, and I want to ask you a little bit. We've kind of talked on these big viewpoint, but if we come to Western Oregon, the Archdiocese of Portland, what is God doing, and how is God's work of redemption happening in my lifetime, in, in this particular era, 
what are some things that you're seeing? What are some things that we're trying to participate in to help people to 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 get that salvation and that redemption in their lives? Well, we're in the midst of a profound shift in culture and society, but also uh, we're responding to it as an archdiocese led by Archbishop Sample. And, and one of the key things that we have, we talk about, uh, we want to move from maintenance to mission. So uh, that's a part of the shift. Uh, we, we're coming from a Christendom era when the laws, the culture, everything in society had Judeo-Christian values and ethics as part of it which supported a life of faith. It was easy to be a Christian and a Catholic in that world. But our culture has excarnated God, or is excarnating God, mm -hmm. is, is, is pushing God out of everything. So we are losing a sense of uh, reverence and transcendence and connection with the divine. And we are impoverished as a result of this. And so it's much harder to live a life of faith in the middle of this because generally speaking around us, things are ambivalent or hostile to us living our lives of faith. And so the church has to respond to this and guided by the Holy Spirit. And you see this down through, the history, down through human history. The Holy Spirit will work in different ways in society and culture depending on the changes in it. You know, so you, you, a quick example is in the early church, you had the establishment of the um, religious community, the Benedictines being the main one, and their whole approach was we come away from society in a, this rural agrarian society, and we, cut, we, we separate ourselves so we can really focus on God and live that way of life. And then in 600 years later, in 11, 1200, you have the, uh, the development of uh, towns and then cities so people are now coming together, and the Holy Spirit's working in a different way. And you have the emergence of the mendicants, the, the two, two that we remember, particularly Franciscans and Dominicans, both responding to the same thing, but led by the Holy Spirit in different ways to how do we live a life of faith in the middle of this culture. And that's the, one of the moments we're in. Pope Francis said we're not in an age of change, but we're in a change of ages. Mm. And so... The, the Lord is pushing us uh, to move from this, this uh, Christendom era to now an apost uh, apostolic mission era because the things that we needed to survive and grow as a church in the Christendom era don't work or mm -hmm. work less, less, and less. So now we ha as we move into this more apostolic mission era, we have to start functioning and doing different things in order to work in uh, in the world around us. Mm -hmm. So for one of the things is people coming to us have much less understanding of any kind of Christian faith. So within the archdiocese, we're, we're shifting to that direction. Uh, the problem is, you know, when you're, when you're uh, sailing an aircraft carrier or an oil tanker, you don't turn on a dime. Right. It, the ship takes a while to turn around. Uh, somebody was telling me, I think an aircraft carrier at full speed will take like three, four miles before it turns. Or another example is these trains that we see, these massive freight trains. I mean, they can't stop on a dime. It mm -mm. takes these guys sometimes a quarter of a mile to stop because of all the weight behind it. So that's where we are. We're in this sort of turn, and we're refocusing. And so you'll hear Archbishop Sample talk about this. 
um, you know, what's our mission? What's our purpose? How are we going about this? And one of the things we're doing, we're focusing on the people we have. We're starting there. And one of the things we want is that everybody who is a Catholic have a life-giving, ongoing, transforming relationship with, with God. Because if you don't have that relationship, then the rest of this is not going to make a whole lot of sense. It's like, why do you marry a person? Because you love them, and you have this relationship with them, and hopefully this relationship will grow, and that relationship is the foundation. Um, some, a couple I knew back in the Midwest celebrated their, their 50th wedding anniversary, and somebody asked them, um, what, what sort of wisdom do you have for us? And they, they said, well, he was 19 and she was 18 when they got married. And uh, they said, when we got married, we had nothing. But we had each other and we had our faith in God. And we knew that we would get through whatever comes together and with, with the Lord. And they've had to deal with a lot in their time together. And that's, but they have. Mm-hmm. They've got through this and their faith is much stronger and so on. So that's part of where we are. We're shifting direction and we have to become much more intentional about our faith. It can't be a matter of obligations or morals or ethics and so on. It has to be rooted on that personal relationship with God, however that works in your life, because that's like the bedrock foundation of love in a marriage. Once that's there, that relationship with God, then we can start building on that and move in that direction that the Lord wants us to and be his light, particularly in this part of the world that so desperately needs it. Yeah. I'll take the wisdom from your fifth grader who said, if we're hanging out with God to focus more of our time, effort, and energy with the Lord, it's going to bless all the other relationships that we have. And so let's continue to pray for that fire on the earth to be inspired here in Western Oregon. Thanks so much for spending some time with us today, Bishop Smith. Will you help us close with your blessing and a prayer for our listeners today? Father, we entrust ourselves to you. Lord, we ask that you would continue to fan that flame of faith in our lives and in our hearts. May it burn brighter and brighter each and every day. May we grow in our knowledge and love for you. And Lord, with that knowledge and love, help us to be your witnesses more and more to a world around us that so desperately needs you and your presence in it. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And as always, I want to thank you and all of our listeners for tuning in to the program. Invite you to join us again next week. For Bishop Peter Smith, I'm Dina Marie Hale. Until our next encounter, may God bless you. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. 
you can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.